All right, guys, Dominion Fire 360 is on. Thanks for being here. Million with you, M-I-L-L-I-A-N, your ministry provocateur, iconoclast, firebrand, and resident heretic here at Dominion Fire. Hey, thanks for being here. It is always a pleasure to have you guys. And on this program, I am trying to bring you something that you may not hear elsewhere. I'm trying to give you something a little out of the box and something that's a little different to kind of throw into your journey as you're trying to figure stuff out. Now, on a previous show, I want to thank you guys for the last couple of the 360 episodes we put out. They they just have exploded and you guys were sharing them everywhere. Thank you so much. And today's program was sort of inspired by our last episode, which was Corina Kraft talking about what is wrong with yoga. And in her story, she spoke about how she got very upset that she had a spiritual situation going on, got in front of a full-length mirror, and started ministering deliverance to herself, which was a little uh, weird. You know, it's not something we're often encouraged to do, especially in the body. We always try to search out and find somebody else to help us. But there are cases where you can minister healing to yourself or minister to yourself, and as we're going to find out today, about ministering self-deliverance. And joining me today is one of my favorite people in ministry. This guy is a media animal. He's all over the place on YouTube and he's radio programs and he's been on the Heal the Sick podcast before. Joining me from Phoenix, Arizona, you'll find him at a website called Hardcore Christianity and at a new building called the New Arizona Deliverance Center in, of course, Phoenix, Arizona, Michael W. Smith. Michael, welcome to Dominion Fire 360. How you doing, man? Million. Uh, thank you very much. Thanks for having me back. Yeah, man, I'm so excited to have you here. You're like one of my go-to people when I have deliverance questions because I, I just I love just uh, some of the way that you explain stuff and put stuff. And uh, would you please remind our audience again uh, who you are, what kind of ministry work you're doing out there, and just give us a quick rundown of hardcore Christianity. Yes, uh, I'm not actually a minister or a, a preacher. I'm actually a professional counselor. And I was a secular counselor for 25 years, and then God called me out of that work into full-time uh, Christian counseling. And then from there, I gravitated, gravitated to uh, the healing and deliverance ministry. And that's what we do at the uh, Arizona Deliverance Center. This is our new facility. We moved into it in March. And uh, people come from uh, <clears throat> literally all over the country uh, to spend a couple of days to go through healing and deliverance at the new facility. And from what you're telling me, it's pretty booming right about now. It's uh, it's always booming because, uh, unfortunately, here in America, um, spirits have virtually taken over the country because of the increased levels of sin in the United States. And uh, deliverance now is, is uh, much more uh, required and much more necessary than it was, say, back in the 1950s. You know, in the 1950s, we didn't have demons swamping every state in the union like we do now. And so, uh, you know, it's a never-ending supply of people that need help and need healing. Yeah, I think on a previous conversation you and I had, you mentioned, and I, this always stuck with me, that deliverance is the ministry of the future. And actually, it's the ministry of like right about now, in fact. And um we said like out in Arizona, but especially here in Nevada, specifically Las Vegas, you know, we fly the demons in by the plane load. So I'm right there with you. <laughs> I know exactly what you're talking about. So, uh, uh, Las Vegas, so let, Las Vegas, very sinful city. Yeah. yeah. 
and heavily infected with evil spirits. Yep, they're all over the place. It's crazy up in here. But uh, again, listeners, so the, the website's hardcorechristianity.com. When you get a chance, go check it out. All this information we're covering today is up there. And uh, make sure you watch some of Michael's uh, videos and listen to streams and podcasts and support his ministry work that he's doing out there as well. So if you go on the page and you go under the deliverance tab, you're going to find a page called self-deliverance. Now, this is the topic I really want to get into today because we have a thing here at, at Dominion Fire where I try to empower you not only to have the knowledge, but at the same time to take matters into your hands when the need arises. So when you need healing for yourself, you may not necessarily have to go search somebody out, minister for yourself, because there's ways to do that. But in this issue here with deliverance, because we're de dealing with like spirits and demons and so on and so forth, people get a little freaked out and people get a little weirded out by this whole topic in general, let alone doing it for yourself. So what I've brought Michael on here for today is I want to demystify this topic a little bit and hopefully give you another tool in the toolbox that you can use should the need arise. Now, Michael, let me ask you a question before we jump into the questions that are here is that what kind of like testimonies or ha or situations have you heard from people that have ministered self-deliverance? Like generally, how successful are people with this? Well, I have a uh, my email is Mike at hardcorechristianity.com. And I have a, a special list that I send out. I have two lists. One of them is for uh, troubled Christians. The other one is for uh, Christians who are mentally ill or have a mental illness. And it kind of takes you through the steps of uh, repentance, self-deliverance, and healing. But like you said, also on the website, under the deliverance uh, button at the top of the page, there's a, a self-deliverance deliverance button underneath that. And there's a process. It's a six-step process you can go through there to also uh, uh, get to your healing and your deliverance in the event that you don't have anybody to help you. I also run into a lot of people that are too afraid and too confused to come for help, and they're afraid to be around other people that are being delivered. And so if they can't come to me for a private counseling session or they can't come to the service or they're too afraid, they can do self-deliverance in their home. You know, in Mark chapter 16, everyone knows that Jesus said, these signs shall follow them that believe. They, in my name, they shall cast out demons, and in my name, they shall lay hands on the sick, and they shall recover. Most people assume that Jesus was talking about laying your hands on other people, but it actually doesn't say that, and there's no restrictions on it. So a born-again Christian who has the Holy Spirit and has repented of their sins can lay their hands on their own body and be healed and delivered from spirits. Remember that uh, Christians can't be possessed by demons because the Holy Spirit lives in the spirit man, and the demons can't get in there. Christians can be infected with demons, very similar to having the flu, where the demons enter the body, causing a physical or a mental illness. And you can lay hands on yourself and cast the spirits out of your body or out of your brain, and uh, use your own anointing and your own faith. And I've seen it work literally hundreds of times. In addition, uh, every Friday night I teach at the Arizona Deliverance Center. I have an altar call. About halfway through the altar call, I lead my YouTube viewers through their own self-deliverance. Wow. Very cool. So that 
dovetails into the first question. And this is, I think the problem with this question for people is we're getting tangled up in the words because the first question on your page is, can a Christian be demon, quote, possessed? Whereas you're making the distinction between possessed and infected or troubled or harassed or whatever some terms may be. So that's the question always comes up. Can a Christian have demons is the question. So let's just break that down one more time. So can a Christian have demons if someone asks you that? Yeah, uh, the the confusion comes in with the with the term. Can they have? Um, there's a difference between oppression and possession. Oppression comes from the outside of the person's body and their brain. Every born again Christian, for their entire lives, has that. If you're a born again Christian, the devil sends spirits to harass you and you can't get out of it until after you're dead it's it's part of our lives and it's part of spiritual warfare the devil's always tempting and he's always trying to put you through trials and he's always trying to get you to lose your faith everybody knows that the other portion of it is is possession is when the spirits get inside the body and take control of the person's soul and their spirit and their mind. And that can't happen to a Christian because the Holy Spirit lives in your spirit, man, and the demons can't get in there. But the third issue is infestation or infection. That's when a spirit gets into the person's brain and causes a mental or emotional illness, or they get in their body causing a sickness. For example, in Luke chapter 13, A spirit of infirmity entered in a woman, causing her severe scoliosis or kyphosis. And once that spirit was removed by the Lord, she instantly stood up straight. Spirits of infirmity are very common here in America, particularly arthritis-type spirits, fibromyalgia, scoliosis, kyphosis, rheumatoid arthritis, Most of those illnesses are actually caused by spirits. If you find someone who's ill and they've been to a dozen doctors and they can't get healed, most of the time that's a spiritual route, not a medical one. And those spirits are actually inside the Christian's body. And they usually get in there before they become a Christian or during periods of backsliding. So that leads into the next part where it says, can Christians have demons or be demonized? And there's the Greek word daimonizomai. Did I say that right? <laughs> yeah, daimonizomai means to be demonized. Means It means to be under the control of a spirit in whole or in part. And in the, in the New Testament, there's no distinction between a sinner and a saint on that term. Any Christian can be demonized. And of course, all sinners are demonized. So now that we go into that, something else that you mentioned here, which I thought was interesting, it said it may be inhabiting the body or brain prior to salvation or were never cast out after being born again. So um, you call that carryover. So can you talk about that for a second? Yeah, that's a very common problem in countries like United States, Canada, Mexico, uh, Europe, the countries that uh, are ignorant about spirits and usually have large populations of carnal, lukewarm, useless, gutless Christians. 
they don't have any knowledge of the spirit world and don't understand how the spirit world operates. If you go to South America or Africa or other places in the world where people know about demons, and that information is common knowledge, the whole system is completely different. It's interesting, and we know we talk about like different areas and principalities over areas and so on. I find it so interesting that different parts of the world all have this demonic issue going on, but it's it functions differently based on, I guess, the people's understanding or how they behave or all that. I find that fascinating. I don't know if that's odd of me. <laughs> no, it's not odd. It's actually insightful. The devil is much smarter than we are, and he is, unlike Christians, demons cooperate with one another. Christians don't. They separate into groups. Well, you can't win a war if your army is separated. The devil's not like that. He's very unified, and he adjusts his methods. He improvises. He adapts. That's how he wins so much. Now, we have this situation where there's demons. Now, we won't go into an exhaustive thing about demons because there's so much. We could have hundreds of shows on this. But specifically, if someone is feeling as though they have a a spiritual situation, because I have people all the time saying, I think I'm demon possessed. And I'm like, "Okay," And then they, you know, give me something completely different. How can someone know that they're having a uh, Daimon is I problem. How do they know, a Christian specifically, how do they know if something is truly there or if they're just sort of rationalizing or making a connection that's not there? How can they know? Okay. There's a, there's a teaching on, the, on my website under the teaching button on the symptoms of having spirits. But the, the short version is this. If you have something that is uh, a stronghold in your life and you have spent a considerable amount of time, energy, and effort trying to remove that and it just won't go that's a red flag it's got a spiritual root if you have a condition of your mind where it's an obsession not just a habit that usually has a spiritual root if the stronghold is so strong that you've tried everything you know to do seminars fasting praying bible study prayed over by every faith healer in the neighborhood, and it's still there, that's probably a demonized issue. Daimonizamai. You're probably demonized. There's a demonic spiritual root to the stronghold. I think what the issue becomes is, is that we sort of put this whole process of having demons, quote unquote, or being possessed, however people say it, as up on this really high pedestal that it's like this huge thing. But it's really more common and it really affects most people and most Christians. You know, they're trying to get something accomplished here in, in their realm. Um, so is it safe to say that it's much more common than, than people think it is in that don't be embarrassed by it? It's something we need to just take on and get done with? Uh, vastly so. 100% of all Christians have demonic oppression of some kind. And a tremendous number of Christians have demonic infestation but very very few very very few christians less than one percent ever sink to the point of ever being possessed that's very rare when when this happens is it I guess people make a big deal about it. Is it something that should be treated more as it's just common let's handle it or is it really a big deal? I mean what are we up against here? Uh, both 
um, Jesus treated it as a big deal and as a common occurrence. And that's the best way to do it. On my YouTube channel, uh, I have a, a series on the spirit world where I explain everything from kind of the beginning to end and go through the broad spectrum of it, how, sp how the spirit world operates, demons, angels, God, Holy Ghost, everything. But in here in North America, most born-again Christians don't go through deliverance after they get saved. Most of them get saved and they're plugged in the church. They start Sunday school. They go to a fellowship. They start worshiping. But very, very few Christians go through deliverance. And on my website, that term carryover, I just made that up, but I was trying to figure up a term to illustrate that Christians who don't go deliver through deliverance simply carry over their spirits from their old sinful life. Because the Bible does not say or teach anywhere that just because you became born again, you automatically get healed of a physical illness and you automatically have your demons removed. That's not in the scripture. Pivoting from there, okay, so now we know we, we sort of have a, a unique situation, probably something going on somewhere. So let's say a person is in the midst of this and they, they need to start um, getting free of it. Now, as I'm re re um, reading through your deliverance preparation section, you have a few different things and cover a couple quick highlights. What you said in here I, I thought was interesting. It said you must be desperate and determined to be delivered. A casual approach will not work. And then dovetailing with that, repented of all your sins with tears and deep sincerity and the casual thing. So what would happen? What's the problem? Walk us through that. The danger there is that um, spirits don't act like Christians. They are hardcore. They are determined fighters. They have a goal and that's their survival. And they are determined and will fight like fury to save their lives. Born-again Christians in this country are very lackadaisical with their Christianity. They don't really see any need to get all that shook up about it. If a person tries to go through deliverance casually, uh, flippantly, they can actually damage themselves or pick up additional spirits and get sicker. If you'll notice in Matthew chapter 8 and chapter 9, all the people that came to Jesus in those two chapters, there was a whole rack of them. They all got miraculous healings. All of them came to him in desperation. All of them were focused. All of them were willing to fight. And that's kind of the attitude you've got to have. You have to have a determination to get away from the devil, to get away from sin, and to get away from spirits, and to break free. A person not only has to do all that, you have to basically be fed up with your situation and be ready to make a move. Because And, and once you make the move, you got to commit to it because there's no turning back at this point. Is that pretty fair to say? Perfectly worded. Okay. So now as we progress down, and, and listeners, again, hardcorechristianity.com, you'll find a full exhaustive list of all this. We're just covering some highlights, but make sure you look through this if you're going to go check this out further. Now, deliverance procedure, um, if someone is going to do this now, like I, I've decided I, I've fed up, I've had enough, I said I'm done, I've thrown away any issues or elements I've had, I'm ready to move now. Walk me through self-deliverance. What do I need to do? 
Well, the, the first thing that uh, we need to do is get the person to repent. Uh, if the person uh, wants to be delivered and kind of wants what most Christians want, kind of a light switch fix, uh, they just want to go to the Lord and say, uh, hey, I got this problem, I got this sickness, I got this issue, I got this emotional pain. Can you just fix me? Click. Okay, I'm fine. God doesn't normally work like that. That won't normally happen, particularly with mental or emotional issues. That's why the Bible requires a person to repent of their sin and renew their mind. But assuming they've done that, the initial phase of it is uh, getting the person to relax and focus. And that's what I take them through on the website there. It's very hard to get a miracle from God if you're all tensed up. That's interesting. So I try to get them just to relax, to, uh, again, this is assuming they've repented of their sin. This is assuming that they have the determination and the desire to do this, as you mentioned. Assuming you have those things in place. The key to it is, is just relaxing, rest in the Lord and in the power of his might. And then the person goes through just a period of thanksgiving or worship or focus with the Lord Jesus, just relaxing because the spirits will start manifesting in the person's body. And I've had several hundred people send me emails. Hey, I was doing the self-deliverance process on your website and my legs started vibrating. Uh, my face started twitching. I started hearing things. Uh, my body got all tense. My throat tightened. Spirits, once you get the anointing, and once you start to use your anointing, the spirits will try to distract you by, by moving around in your body. So if the person's not relaxed and focused on what they're doing, they'll get distracted during the process, and then they'll quit. We're full repentance here. We're doing a little worship, resting, laying down. What's next on the list? Next on the list is you need to make a determination whether you're going after soul wounds or whether you'll try and get the spirits out of your body. So let's just assume for the uh, brevity of time, let's say you've got a lust issue and you've got a pornography background and you're struggling up and down, in and out with lust. One day you're fine. The next day the thing flares up. The next day you've got it beaten back. The next day it flares up. That's a red flag that you've been infected with a lust spirit in your body. And while you're laying there, you use the scriptures that I mentioned in the self-deliverance process. And then you have to use your authority to cast the spirit out. Praying won't work. You pray first and then you use your authority. Jesus never prayed over demons or sicknesses. He prayed before he ministered and praying over demons will not work such as a oh Lord, please, please cast this out of me. Please take this demon out of me. Please, please help me. Uh, please do this. Please. No, Jesus taught you that you have the authority to cast the spirits out and you must use that authority to do it. And that's what I teach them during my services on Friday night on, on YouTube. I lead them through that. Not praying anymore, but using their authority and commanding the spirits to come out. 
using the authority of Christ, using the Holy Ghost, and using God's word. In the mighty name of Jesus Christ, Spirit, I bind your power, Matthew 18. I command you in the name of Jesus, Luke 10, to come out of my body. Come out now. The demons then will start to put up a fight. So the cowardly Christian, the unfocused Christian will quit right there. They'll get spooked. The ones that are determined to be free keep going. And the spirits will start moving, vibrating. They'll switch from one section of the body or the other. For example, lust demons, most of them are from the groin area up to the lower part of the neck. That's normally where they hang out in the body. And you'll feel them in there and they'll start moving toward the heart and up through the lungs. And sometimes the spirits will come out and they come out with different kinds of manifestations. Sometimes people will yawn. Or sometimes they'll cough a little bit. Things like that. Just to be clear on this, and I think this is important to state again, uh, and I'm just going to read a, a section from your website. It says, uh, you may feel something unusual such as twitching, pushing, pulling, pressure, tightness, butterflies, quivering, shaking, aching, coldness, cramping, paralysis, nausea, or subtle internal movements, strange thoughts racing through your mind. It says these spirits are manifesting. So what that means is, is that uh, at that point, you may start getting scared by this and back off, and that's kind of what they're trying to do. But the fact of the matter is, is it's working. It means that you are actually starting to get this thing stirred up enough to get out. And it's a faith thing. So instead of being afraid by it, be encouraged that it's working. So keep going. Your faith is working is what it says there. All right. So now uh, let me just back up a second, Mike, because I, I want to just ask you about something you wrote on here. It said... Um, about placing your hands on your body somewhere, and it says to cover yourself by faith with the precious blood of Christ. Walk us through that. Yeah, now that's your that's your kind of your preparation process while you're relaxing, uh, while you're uh, worshiping. If you have the gift of tongues and you're kind of whispering in tongues or you're speaking in tongues in your mind, and you're releasing and praying the precious blood of Christ and thanking Him for His sacrifice and His blood over your body and over your mind what you're what you're trying to do is is uh build up your face to release your anointing and weaken the spirits at the same time we're repenting we're worshiping we're relaxing laying down uh cover yourself with the blood of christ you gave us the procedure we're gonna get this thing manifested now get this thing going uh next thing it says breathe out of your mouth now is that something you consciously force out or is that something you're waiting and just going with what happens then no, you don't want to try and force it. You just relax and breathe out of your mouth because uh, most spirits try to hide in the lungs because the lungs are the most important organ in the body. It feeds all the other organs. And so uh, the spirits are normally in their lungs, and that's that's when they'll, they'll sense them coming up through the throat, and they'll kind of yawn out or cough out, something of that nature. When people do this, how long of a process on average does it take? I'm, I'm sure it varies dramatically, but what would somebody be looking like on average for how long does this take? Now, that's a tough question, but for someone who hasn't been heavily involved in the occult or witchcraft or sorcery or sexual perversion, that's going to take a few hours. But for most people, uh, 
15 to 45 minutes. So it's not something necessarily that would be days on end or months on end. This could be done relatively quickly in that sense. And you, you mentioned something really interesting, and this is, I've been dying to ask you this question. He says, if you experience violent shaking, severe cramping, frightening visions, loud voices, or have objects move in the room, discontinue and seek someone you can trust. Talk to us about that. Yeah, I've had dozens of people uh, contact me that hit number seven on that list there. Those people are usually involved or have had their family tree involved in powerful spirits like i mentioned earlier witchcraft or severe sexual perversion or severe child abuse or something like that and uh, those demons uh, are extremely powerful and they'll start to pitch a fit when you try to get them out and uh, sometimes if the person doesn't have the experience or knowledge uh, they can be hurt. So I put that caveat in there to um, shut the session down and try and find somebody who can help you that has some experience and give you some support. Have you personally witnessed that happening when ministering deliverance to anyone? Oh, hundreds of times. So what do you do? So if someone comes to you as, you know, the experienced minister for this, what do you do for a case like that? Is it anything different or how, how do you approach that? Well, um, if the person has superpowered demons, there'll be uh, some heavy manifestations. But if they've repented, uh, they'll, they'll come out. If during the deliverance session, we reach a point that we've stalled and the spirits won't come out anymore, no matter what we do, that's a red flag that the person has either overlooked something, hasn't repented of something, has a false belief or or a lie they're clinging to, and I shut the deliverance down then and try to do uh, more exploration to find out what the spirit has on the person. What I've always heard and how it's kind of been explained to me is in a situation like that, if you, you don't want to leave up a loose end, do you just bind those spirits to stay in place to, or do you throw them out? Or what do you do when you have to cut off or like if someone's ministering self-deliverance and you know, somebody comes to the door or, you know, whatever interruption happens, how do they pause the process to keep worse things from happening? Uh, there, there's no uh, uh, usually no detriment to pause in the process. You, you can you can stop. It's the whole system is basically free will. It's based on the person's free will, and you can start up and stop whenever you choose. The reason I ask is because if someone has a series of different spirits in there, and maybe you throw one of them out, won't the remaining spirits try to fill in that void or bring something back in? Or isn't there a danger of that? No, they always. Uh, there's always that issue in every case. The spirits that get expelled, if you don't get all the spirits out, the ones that are left will try to let them back in later. But if the person doesn't go back into sin and doesn't and renews their mind and doesn't give them an opening, the demons can't get back in. Evil spirits cannot just snatch people or hijack them. They have to have an opening with a couple of exceptions, and those are the ones that are in the family tree that attacked a child in the womb, and the other one is uh, witchcraft. 
at that point, and I guess the reason I ask is because this is, um, it's kind of like a weird thing that I think about is that people say, back to our first question, can Christians have a demon? And I tend to say, I feel deliverance tends to be specifically for Christians because if you throw something out and they have nothing inside, which is filling that space or blocking up or renewing, you're just going to set them up for damage. I mean, am I totally off by thinking that? No, that's that's exactly correct. I've only uh, cast demons out of two sinners over the years, and then I only did it to use it as a testimony to get the person saved right on the spot. Got it. Okay. If, if you cast demons out of a sinner and let them leave, the, the demons will just get back in. And in Matthew 12 and Luke 11, the Bible says there's a risk of them getting worse. In a case like that, is it more spirits or is it just an intense, more upset version of the same one? Uh, it's usually more spirits and worse spirits, stronger spirits. Okay, so now someone goes through this process and um, let's say they, they reach an end to it or they're, it's been a while maybe. How do they know that this is done? What's, what's the signs to look for that, okay, I'm free of this or I'm free of everything? How do you know? Well, uh, the easiest illustration is uh, like on Friday nights, someone comes up and they have a physical issue. And if it's related to a spirit of infirmity, once the infirmity spirit's out of the body, the person's healed and they don't have the physical symptoms anymore. The same thing is true with your uh, Christians who are mentally ill. They have a seducing spirit in their brain causing the mental illness. Once that spirit's removed, the symptoms of the mental illness dissipate. You can always track demons by their symptoms, lust, anger, bitterness, cancer, sickness, illness. They are always leaving a symptom in the person. If a person has no symptom, negative symptoms, they're probably not uh, infected with demons. Now that someone is, uh, is free of this, um, what do they have to do now to maintain this? Obviously, they've repented. They can't go back into the sin. But in, in maybe in preparation for this or afterward, are we talking like heavy prayer? Are we talking fasting, communion? Is there anything that you do to make sure that you're 100% solid after this happens? The two basic uh, attributes are uh, God's word and glossa. The Greek word is glossa. That's your uh, prayer language, speaking in tongues. And... Uh, Everybody I take through deliverance, probably 99% of them, after we're, after we're done, uh, they always receive their gift of tongues so that they can pray and the devil doesn't know what they're praying. And uh, Glosa gives a person a series of spiritual benefits. And that's also on my website. There's an article on there entitled Glosa under the teaching button. It shows you all the spiritual benefits of your prayer language. They have to renew their mind on God's word. And if they're neophytes, I always start them in the four Gospels because those are the most important uh, books in the Bible. Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, because they have the most red ink in them. Yeah, it seems to me that in a case like this, it's, you know, it's almost like dealing with a traditional sickness with traditional medicine. There's a course of treatment. There's a procedure you may have to go through. And then there is the healing and follow-up part of it that, you know, the the what do they call it, like physical therapy afterwards when something happens. So it seems like even spiritually there's that process that you have to prep for it, you have to handle it, and then you have to get yourself 
clear it up after the fact and lock that thing in. And what uh, I something I keep meaning to ask, and I just want to get your take on it, is when we did the program, it was called Seven Days with a Witch, and the witch was talking about spirits. She said that the biggest spirit that they dispatch in witchcraft is fear. And we talked earlier about if you're having a situation, you may have a fear of facing up to it or admitting it, or you may get prideful that, oh, I'm a Christian, this can't happen to me. Or maybe you've got to the point where you've realized there's something going on and you're afraid to stand in front of a mirror and do it or lay down and do it or whatever the case is. What role does an actual spirit of fear play in this whole process? I imagine you as a minister, too, you've tr- something's tried to intimidate you and use fear in the past. So how does fear as a spirit work in all this? Oh, now, that's a great question. If we go to Timothy, Paul says to Timothy, God has not given us the spirit of fear but of power and of love and of a sound mind. Now, that's an interesting mistranslation. It says fear there with the Greek word is phobos, but that's not the Greek word used in that verse. It's dalia. That Greek word means cowardice. And here's how it works. Fear spirits and coward spirits always work together. The fear spirit is the one that gives the person the initial surge or the shock. The coward spirit is the one that keeps the person from getting help or going for help. The fear spirit causes the anxiety disorder. The Delia spirit, the coward spirit, keeps the person from going to get help. I see it all the time. They're too afraid to come in. Uh, I've had people see me and turn around and run out the door. Uh, they won't go to a pastor. They won't go get counseling. They won't go stand in front of the mirror. They won't do self-deliverance. That's the coward spirit. He's actually the one that keeps Christians in bondage. He uses embarrassment and humiliation on them, and he keeps them timid. If you know someone that is very shy and very introverted, that person has a coward spirit. People, Christians that are petrified to witness to people, are petrified to go forward to get prayer, or don't like to be singled out, or are afraid to serve God because they're afraid of what he's going to ask them to do, that's a coward spirit. And they they always work in conjunction with fear spirits. Thirdly, Fear spirits are the support demons for almost every other major spirit. The fear spirit is the devil's club he uses to beat Christians into submission. Yeah, because that verse in Timothy you just referenced, you know, that specific spirit is called out proper. And, you know, there's hundreds of these things, but that particular one is called out. So there's a special significance to it is what I'm saying. Yeah, cowardice is a huge issue in the spirit world. And people that need deliverance and know they need it many times still won't come for help because they're afraid. As of right now, we, we've covered most of the topics of everything. We've covered that whole um, self-deliverance situation and the steps to take. And listeners, again, hardcorechristianity.com is the website. You'll find all everything we talked about today you'll find there. Um, Michael, would you... Um, as we're getting ready to close up today, first off, would you tell people again, in addition to the website, how they can reach you, any uh, emails, phone numbers, YouTube channels, social medias, how can people get a hold of this information? Yes. Um, 
in the event that uh, anybody out there, and, and God is calling a lot of people into the healing and deliverance ministry now because it's so necessary, on the YouTube uh, channel, it's called uh, uh, the Deliverance Training Channel. If you go there and go through those 18 steps or sessions, you'll be uh, set up to start your own healing and deliverance ministry, assuming God has called you to do that. It's called the Deliverance Training Channel. If you'd like to have those two lists that I have for troubled Christians or mentally ill Christians, you can send me an email at mike at hardcorechristianity.com, and I'd be happy to send it to you. And is there a phone number to the ministry if people want to get more information? Yeah, 602-636-5800. Listeners, I know I, um, I've followed Michael's work for many years. We've had great conversations both on air and off air, including this one. I've sent some people out his way and always gotten good responses. So I encourage you that if you're dealing with something, it, it's time to start facing up to it. And listen, none of this stuff is pleasant. We've probably all been through it at one time or another. It's one of those things. It's like the Band-Aid. Pull the thing off instead of sitting there thinking about it. Get this thing done. And you know what? Once you get set free, go set someone else free and let's let's start like a chain reaction here. And uh, Michael, I want to thank you for being here today with me. It's always, always fun to talk to you. I love answering these questions. And um, would you please do maybe like a quick uh, final prayer for us and then just closing thoughts on the topic of self-deliverance and we'll wrap the show. Uh, dear Lord, thank you for letting me be on millions of... Uh radio program. Again, it's been a privilege. Lord, you gave every born-again Christian a measure of faith. They have the Holy Ghost, and they have faith, and they have an anointing. And I'm asking you to open their eyes so they will use their anointing. And when they're done praying, stand and face the devil and fight back. Their lives depend on it. And their families' lives depend on it. And America depends on it. Lord, many people are called, but few are chosen. And the ones that aren't chosen are the ones who don't answer their call. And right now, in Jesus' mighty name, they will answer their call. Thus saith the Lord. Amen. Amen, Michael. And final closing thoughts on self-deliverance and encouragement if somebody needs it. What, do you, what, do you, what would you like to say to the audience at large here? Mark chapter 16 says, These signs will follow those who believe. In my name they shall cast out demons, and in my name they will lay hands on the sick, and they shall recover. And that verse not only applies to you praying for others, it also applies for you putting your hands on yourself because God wants you well. All right, listeners, there you have it. Self-deliverance, everything's on the website, hardcorechristianity.com. If you've been helped by this episode, would you please um, send us an email at info at dominionfire.com or through the website at dominionfire.com and let us know so we can share it with the world and encourage others. You can find any of our information at dominionfire.com and on youtube.com forward slash dominionfirechurch. All our social media is everything's up there, including this one, which you'll find on soundcloud.com forward slash dominionfire, as well as our entire library of podcasts here on the website. It is all there, my friends. Thank you for being here with us today. As we always say at our ministry, boom goes Yeshua, and we'll see you guys next time.